This is the Employment Law Show. You betcha. It's a whole new, brand new week, and welcome to it. 632 on your Monday evening. John Scholes here, and with me from Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, our lawyer tonight, as far as the employment stuff is concerned, of course, Mackenzie Irwin. The Mac is here, and she's ready to go with your uh, your questions. Well, your questions, her answers. How about that? Maybe you've been... Uh, Laid off, I'm using quotation signs, laid off. You don't have to tolerate that, or maybe you've just been outright uh, fired. you got a severance package in front of you, or you think it's coming down the pike sometime soon. Maybe there's workplace issues going on. Maybe a problem with your boss. Maybe uh, you think it's harassment. Doesn't matter. Bring it on. Pick up the phone and ask. It's just that simple. The main topic here in just a moment will be top 10 most common mistakes I see employers make. I, meaning Mackenzie, I don't see them. She's brighter than me. So these are the top 10 most uh, common mistakes you'll see. Maybe one of these uh, rings true for you as well as we work our way down the list. That and if we have time, we'll get to an email or two. If not, we'll uh, keep the live phone calls going and our topic for the uh, for the day. But Mackenzie, good to see you, pal. It's good to talk to you. What's going on with the uh, the week that was? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's only Monday, but uh, I've had a jam-packed day um, <laughs> speaking to, to people about their employment law issues, calling in and um, having a few consultations. And I had one that, that really um, stood out for me today. Um, uh, he was, he's, he's in his, he's a gentleman, he's in his, he's in his late 30s, and he worked for uh, his employer for 12 years um, as a manager. Uh, he works for a tech company. Um, throughout that time, he's had very good performance reviews. He's, uh, this past year, he successfully helped the company launch a new product. And so there wasn't really any performance concerns. Um, but he was, he's about to become a dad and, uh, his, his partner's due in September. Um, and two weeks ago, he told his employer about his partner that his partner was, you know, uh, expecting, and that he he intended to to take a paternity leave. Um, this was a pretty interesting because shortly after, um, his employer started transitioning uh, two of his direct reports uh, to now report to another manager. So they were redirecting his re- direct reports away from him to another uh, manager, another team, and. He thought that was a little strange, but uh, continued working. No big deal. Um, and then just this past Friday, uh, they terminated him. They t- initially told him that it was due to restructuring. And so uh, they've given him working notice until December 1st. And then uh, they gave him, a, a, they're offering him a, a five-week lump sum severance package at the end of that for a total of eight weeks. So... You know, he he called me because he w- he wanted to know is is that what I'm owed? Um, now we we know and and he's told me that that the company's doing well. There's no restructuring. They're not really doing uh, much, in, as far as he could tell. Um, and and there's no one else in the company that he knows of that that's that's being terminated at this time as well. So there's a few things here. So number one, um, certainly for someone who's worked for the company for 12 years, eight weeks is not going to be his full severance. Um, he's entitled to much more than that, likely upwards of uh, you know 12, could be upwards to even 14 or 16 months, particularly given the fact that um, he's expecting a new baby and, and he's already expressed his intentions to take paternity leave. So um, it's important when to note that those are factors if you're pregnant or if you're um, taking some sort of parental leave 
Um, those are factors that the courts would consider that would likely increase what your full severance entitlements are. So there are factors that we've discussed all the time on the show, your age, your years of service, um, your position, the availability of, of comparable employment. Um, and then there are other um, less common factors and uh, pregnancy or parental leaves are are some of those less commonly seen factors that would really um vitiate towards a a longer uh, severance package, a bigger severance package. And so not only is he entitled to more in terms of his severance package, but there are also um, some serious human rights issues here. Um, It's a little bit fishy that the employer has taken all these steps. You know, he was a, a top performer all along. He did a really good job launching this new product this year. And all of a sudden, he announces that he's, his intentions to take this paternity leave and the employer starts making these changes and ultimately terminates his employment. So um, if he's being terminated for um, for taking a paternity leave, that is a major human rights uh, violation, a major no-no to employers. Uh, I say it all the time, your employers really leave your employees, leave your mat leave or parental leave employees alone. Those are job-protected leaves. Um, and again, there there are likely grounds here for some additional damages because Obviously, um, it's going to impact his ability to take that paternity leave um, going forward if they're going to terminate him right before he, he his uh, child is born and before he needs to take that leave. So it's really interesting. So I, I, um, I'm, I'm going to help him out. We're going to write to his, his employer a letter and, and um, negotiate his full severance and likely some human rights uh, damages on that on that end as well. So yeah. just a, a really interesting intake that came across my desk this uh, this weekend, um, something that I just want to express uh, to, to our listeners that um, these are if you're if there's any your employer cannot uh, terminate you terminate you while you're on a paternity leave or maternity leave. Those are job protected leaves. If they're doing that. You've got to reach out because um, it's a major uh, human rights violation. Yeah, it's like paternity leave and, you know, that and not dealing with harassment in the workplace properly, two of the biggest mess-ups that an employer can make, right? Absolutely, yeah. A a good topic, what our our topic that we're going to discuss tonight, um, I see employers make these mistakes all the time. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand why we see it time and time again, but I can't stress it enough. If your employee is on a job protected maternity or paternity leave, You've really got to leave them alone. That's a major no-no to terminate them while they're while they're on that job protected leave. Good way to get her warmed up, and we'll take a short uh, short pause here and back with more. Uh, Mackenzie Irwin here from the firm. Going to get into those uh, mistakes, the most uh, the biggest ones that see employers make. That is on the way after our short break. Monday night edition Employment Law Show continues. Hang in there. You betcha. We're back, and uh, thanks for sticking around with us. Mackenzie Irwin, Samfiru, Tamarkin, LLP. She's here answering your questions as well. That's uh, that's why we're doing the show every night uh, this week, of course. All right, top and most common mistakes to see employers make. Mackenzie, let's get right into this list. Number one, and in no particular order, it just happens to be number one on our list, firing an employee for cause, but uh, they don't actually have cause. Yeah. This is so I mean, I don't the number of times employers terminate an employee for cause thinking they have cause and they don't actually have it. It's um, it's all the time. 
So if if you're an employer out there and you're you're you think you have just cause to terminate your employee, it's it's imperative. You have to run that by an employment lawyer before you jump to that. Sometimes you you may be very close or you may have it, but you just need to put the proper documentation in place, cross your T's and dot your I's to make sure that you've got you actually have a defensible for cause termination. Now, I think I mean 99.9% of all of the uh, callers that I get who, um, clients who I get who uh, have come to me have been terminated for cause. Their employer actually has jumped to terminating them for cause, but they don't actually have cause. And so that employee um, is entitled to severance. They're entitled to some severance and um, they work with, I work with them and I, I'm able to work with their employer in order to um, explain to their employer why, uh, legally speaking, that employee is entitled, still entitled to severance. And uh, we're able to get uh, those those employees their, their severance packages. But again, I can't say how often uh, it happens where an employee has been terminated for cause. The employer thinks they have cause. But in reality, legally speaking, they don't have that cause and they still own that employee severance. We'll get to more of those in between phone calls, 416-870-6400. Ivan, thanks for, uh, thanks for chiming in tonight. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, pal. What's on your mind? Okay, so I'm calling on behalf of somebody else. Uh, they cool. don't really know how to ask this question. And so she she's a seasonal uh, worker. She, she finishes her season uh, just after Christmas. And then she's off for about three months at Christmas. Uh, at Canada's Wonderland. So she went and applied for EI, and EI literally never got back to her at all. Literally ignored her the whole entire time. And I want to know, because I keep telling her to call them, but she's like, every time I call them, nobody answers. Or they don't they give me like a runner. And I want to know, what are, what are her options at this point? Um, that is very interesting. So uh, EI should be getting back to her. Um, I'm wondering whether she's contacted EI in writing. Um, sometimes it does. Yes, she has. Um, and when she pretty sure she did, and I always tell her when you do it in writing, it's more, uh, everything is there. It's in writing. You can't say I never, you know, that, uh, no contact was ever made other than uh, via phone call. Um, but she, they're literally ignoring her, and I keep telling her she is more than, not, more than entitled that she was in school at that point as well. Yeah, so um, Service Canada should be getting back to her. Um, they, it, it may be a matter of her having to show up to uh, in person, um, but certainly if she continues to call and, and has, um, keep, keep track of all the emails that she sent them in writing, um, following up, uh, someone should be able to get back to her. I'm, 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 um, I'm surprised to hear that. They do take a while. I do know that they, they're quite slow, but eventually they, they should be getting back to her. Well, she was basically off from January 1st. Because their season ends at the end of uh, December, and then they reopen back in about springtime, about April, I would say. So, but she's never heard anything. And I always ask her, like, 
and she just keeps saying, I don't hear, like, you know, she gets very discouraged very quickly. She's not the to go and fight. And I'm like, but those are, that's your money. That's what you're entitled to. Because you're off for that period of time, and you're, well, you are technically a seasonal worker. Absolutely, yeah. It sounds like she's entitled to employment insurance when she's laid off um, uh, on, in the off-season. Um, and certainly uh, sh- they, they should be getting back to her. So, I mean, it may be, Ivan, it may be a matter of um, they just need a letter perhaps from a lawyer. Um, she, you can uh, send her our contact information and, uh, and we can see if we can hop, hop in there and send a letter. But um, they should be getting back to her. Hey, is there a way for her to call you guys strictly, uh, directly? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'll give it to you right now, Ivan. I'll repeat it throughout the show as well. That's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or simply help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you can uh, carry on from there, brother. Gotta let you go. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the call, Ivan. In the meantime, Mac, we're talking about the 10 most common mistakes you see employees make. Number two, believing that probationary periods are automatic. And a lot of employees assume that when they start a new job as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that is a very common mistake. So employers think, oh, you know, we have these, um, you know, automatic probationary period time when you first hire that employee that I can fire that employee and I don't owe them any severance. That is incorrect that is absolutely not an auto- automatic right and so in order for a probationary period to be enforceable and so what i mean by a probationary period is the initial um you know 90 days of employment when um your employer and the employee also are assessing whether this is a good fit yeah. and so neither party should really be penalized for um, it not working out, it not being a good fit and making that decision and saying, nope, sorry, this isn't for me or sorry, you're not the employee that uh, you're not. It's not a good fit. Um, but in order for the employer to be able to have a, you know, have that opportunity to terminate the employee during the probationary period without paying them any severance, Um, They have to have an enforceable probationary period clause in their employment contract. And so it's not an automatic right. Um, And so I see that often as a mistake that employers make thinking, oh, this is just a standard uh, term that applies to every employee. Um, If it's not working out within the first 90 days, I can I can let them go. I also see employers that think, oh, well, if I'm going to put a probationary period clause in my employment contract, I'm going to make it for six months because I want that longer term. And again, that's also a major mistake because those probationary period, the maximum it can be for is 90 days. You can't extend it. You can't restart it sometime in the future. It's the first 90 days and that's it. And they've got to have it uh, as a term in their employment contract. Well, you can make it six months as opposed to three, but it's not going to hold any water beyond three months. Therefore, it's a moot point, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and likely that probationary period clause now is not, again, not automatic. You're trying to create a situation where you can terminate that employee, not pay them any severance. And, uh, and that's just not the case. Anytime after that 90 days, it's not worth the paper it's written on. You're owed your full severance. 
back down our list, common mistakes employers are making uh, before, currently, and probably into the future as well, even after hearing our show and calling in. Uh, ignoring, as we mentioned uh, right off the top, or not properly addressing, Mackenzie, the bullying or harassment complaints from employees. This is a major one. I, I don't know what's happened throughout the pandemic or what have you, but I am seeing more and more um, uh, employees coming to me who are experiencing bullying or harassment in the workplace. They've given a complaint and their employer's doing nothing about it. Or they're saying it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's your employee, it's your manager's uh, management style. It's nothing to worry about. It's very important and employers really need to understand that they have a legal obligation. If an employee has made a complaint about bullying harassment, that triggers a, a duty for them to act. They are legally obligated to investigate that complaint. Uh, make a determination on whether or not there is any harassment or bullying going on, uh, whether that behavior complained of rises to level of harassment or bullying. And they need to um, be able to provide guidance uh, to the employee who's making the complaint and take any corrective action that's necessary to prevent any further bullying or harassment in the workplace. So, Simply ignoring or not addressing an employee's complaint is a very serious issue um, that employers are making, and it will uh, it will create a toxic workplace. It likely will lead to a constructive dismissal, and in addition to a constructive dismissal, you're exposing yourself to additional damages for failing to take those actions that you're legally required to take. To make that and take that investigation to make those determinations. So, very serious issue when you ignore or um, or you don't address uh, these kinds of complaints. Next problem, next uh, place where the employers sometimes are dropping the ball is not providing overtime pay to their salaried employees. They think they just need it for the hourlies. Yes, common common mistake. So, overtime pay is any um, you're owed overtime any hours over 44 hours that you work in a week. Just because your employee is a salaried employee and not paid hour, an hourly rate does not mean that you don't owe that employee um, overtime pay. And so this is a common mistake that employers make, and it's com- commonly overlooked for, by employees as well. They just assume, I'm a salaried employee, I don't make an hourly rate wage. Uh, it doesn't matter whether I work 40 hours in a week or 60 hours in a week, I just make my salary. And no, that's not true. So if you're working anything over 44 hours um, in a in a week, you need to be uh, you need to be paying. Uh, well, if you're the employee, you need to be tracking those hours and letting your employer know. And if you're the employer, you need to be aware of how much your employees are working. If your employees are putting in hours um, outside of their regular uh, working hours, additional hours that you're aware of, you need to keep track of those hours and you need to be be sure that you're going to be compensating your employees properly for that overtime that they're working. So just because your salary doesn't mean that you can't, um, you can't, your employer can't determine what an hourly uh, rate would be at your salary rate. It's very easy for them to um, to make that calculation, and so they do need to be providing you with overtime pay um, if you're working over 44 hours in a given week. 
And let me see if I have the math correct. This is going to be a tough one, but if you're salaried, wondering how you calculate that, take your yearly salary, break it down to 52 weeks. The 52 weeks gives you your hourly rate, and then it's time and a half on top of that, yeah? Exactly, yeah. And wow. so it depends. Some some employees are working, it, it may be outlined in your contract, how many hours per week your employer expects you to be working, right. usually somewhere between 37 and a half and 40 hours a week. And so certainly it's it's very simple to break that down and to determine what that hourly rate would be. And then again, any hours that you're working over 44 hours in a week, your employer owes you time and a half uh, or one and a half times that hourly rate for all of those hours above 44 hours. So certainly very worthwhile to keep track of your time. I, I always advise my clients, employees and employers to make sure that you're tracking your time when you sign in, when you sign out. Um, so that you're um, you're properly compensated if in the event that you are working those overtime hours, it happens. It's the end of coming up yeah. to the end of the year, and lots of people are going to be working long hours to get projects mm-hmm. completed by the end of the year. You just want to make sure that you're um, properly tracking your time and being compensated for that time. Now, uh, as we get out of here in a minute or two, no, 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 um, overtime rather is one of the one of the areas, Mackenzie. Correct, where you can go to the Ministry of Labor. Never, ever for severance come to you guys, but overtime that that they can take care of that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so I think it's really important. Sometimes people um, people get confused about severance and and what the Ministry of Labor can and can't do. Yes, overtime is something that they can do without um, compromising. But if but if you're going to the Ministry of Labor for your severance or for a constructive dismissal or what have you, you are definitely you're going to want to speak to an employment lawyer first because you're looking at um, you could be giving up your rights to pursue your full severance if you start at the Ministry of Labor in those situations. And with that, we are just about done, my friend. We'll leave it there for now. We'll get to the rest of that top 10 list on our next show, Mackenzie, for sure. In the meantime, reach out to Mackenzie with your issues. You want to have more of a private conversation that is available to you at 1-855-821-5900. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website. Always use this one first. First thing you do, even before a phone call. And uh, by the way, you'll have access while you're there to the severance calculator. That website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's free. It's anonymous. We'll catch you tomorrow at 630 right here in the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your evening.